Momentum Volleyball is the online Canadian hub for volleyball storytelling, reporting, and event coverage, allowing content creators to connect with fans, coaches, and players. Momentum is the hub for athletes, coaches, and fans to find free and paid volleyball content, and we are proud to be the voice of Canadian volleyball around the world. Head to MomentumVolleyball.ca to subscribe for free and get access to exclusive content and all your Canadian volleyball updates. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. Really excited for today's guest. I thought I knew a lot about her career, but I'm excited to talk to her about it and learn some more. So today's guest played her club and high school in the Windsor area and also in the GTA. She was a member of Team Ontario, where she represented us at Canada Games, and also went on to play for Team Canada at the youth and junior national team level. And she's a senior at UConn, where she was just mentioned or named to the All Big Ten East team. Please welcome to the show, Kaylee Parker. Kaylee, thanks for doing this. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. So, uh... Right off the start here, I just have to be honest, I'm a big fan of the Windsor area. I'm a big fan of what Darren O'Neill's doing with the beach program, and Lane just loved that kid to death. So I'm curious with you growing up in that Windsor area, were, were you similar to them where they had a lot of options of sports they were playing, or were you a volleyball kid right off the bat? Like, What was it like growing up before you got into volleyball as your full-time thing? I did everything. I ran track. I threw in track. Basketball was my second sport, so I was a pretty heavy basketball and volleyball kid growing up. Um, I played badminton throughout grade school and high school, played soccer. I really did whatever I could get my hands on, to be honest with you. Nice, nice. And just talking to you before the show, I was actually trying to put the timeline together, but you played for Dynamo here in the GTA. And I'm wondering what went into that decision, because I think we see it in other sports a lot where kids kind of move around the province and try to find a different center. But for you to leave the Windsor area and come to the GTA, was that a tough conversation with your parents and switching schools and all that? Or what went into the decision to kind of pursue club in in the GTA versus where you were back home? So I actually didn't move. I What I would do was I'd practice with my team in Windsor because they were solely playing in the U.S. So like we weren't a part of the OBA at all. And then the night before a tournament, I would drive up to Toronto, practice for a few hours, play the next day, play the day after, depending on um, what level we were in. And, you know, it was it was tough. I don't think it was necessarily a tough decision um, for my parents and I because they wanted me to get as much exposure as I could within Ontario because I'd obviously been playing in the U.S. for so long. And at the time, I did have aspirations for playing um, for Team O as well as the national team. So I think it was a pretty easy decision in terms of me going up to the GTA to play just because it did give me those opportunities that I wouldn't have necessarily had if I continued to just play in the U.S., I think if anything, the hardest part about it was just the commute for my parents, you know, driving up four hours for quick practice and then driving to wherever we had to go for the tournament the next day and then back home was kind of a lot. But um, I'm really grateful for them for doing that for me because obviously it opened a lot of doors as we will discuss later in this, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. And just thinking back as a teenager, how did you handle the social dynamic? Because it's got to be a weird vibe for the team about like you rolling in, you come to one practice before a tournament, you're probably playing a lot of minutes. Like, w- was the coach really honest with your squad right off the bat so they kind of understood what was happening? Obviously, you're, you're committed to the team, but you live four hours away. So I'm just curious how you kind of handled that because I'm sure if it wasn't explained very well, there's probably a lot of talk behind your back going on. Yeah. You know, I think the coach at the time had been very honest with the team and I think it made it a little easier that a few of the girls that I was playing with in Toronto 
were playing with me in the U.S. as well. So it was kind of like a package deal. I would come up and play with them, and then they would come get some exposure in the U.S. But it definitely was hard at times. I think there were parents as well as kids who, you know, didn't exactly appreciate me coming up the night before and being able to play the next day. But I think over time and like just the work ethic we put in as a team and like the success we did have just kind of changed their minds about things. But there was, there was definitely some uh, head turns when I first showed up, but he did do a good job um, of being honest with everyone. And I mean, I made it very clear that I wasn't trying to step on any toes, but I was going to work my butt off. And if I did get the opportunity to start, then good for me because I did as much as I could, but wasn't trying to be that cocky player who just walked in and expected to play. And with your Windsor team, because uh, our listeners are all over, but even our Ontario listeners might not be familiar with this, that with you guys being so close to the border, were you guys playing in a tournament-based league? Were you playing league matches? Like, what was the format for you guys to go to the U.S. and not be like a member of the OVA, but actually play like your full season in the U.S.? So we were technically a part of like the JBA, which was like the Junior Volleyball Association within the U.S. And it was more so just like a tournament-based thing we would go up every, I'd say maybe twice a month and we would just hit some local tournaments up in Michigan and Ohio. And then we'd kind of venture off. Um, we played a few in Chicago. We played some in Kentucky, played some in Florida, but everything was just tournament based. There was no like real league play that there kind of is in the OBA. So it was definitely different when we switched back over and we're playing both. And when you got an opportunity to try out for Team Ontario at that time, was there still like an HBC model or what was your entry point into the provincial team? It was, there was an HBC. Um, we had, ours was up at Nipissing and we had a week long tryout or not really a week, but it was like five days um, in which we kind of just went in, you know, practice with the coaches that were there. And then by the end of it, we had um, a little tournament. So they split all the girls up into four teams. And then we all just kind of played each other with them. That had a little, little round-robin tournament to see who'd come first. And then from there, they picked the team. And for you, was that a little eye-opening? Because you'd been on like a team that goes to the U.S. a bunch. You've been on like a club team, but was that maybe the first time you saw your peer group in the provincial group? Because HBC, it can be 40 to 50 athletes at a time, right? So was that kind of your first opportunity to see who was in your age group all in one place? Yeah, it was definitely eye-opening for me because again, I hadn't played in Ontario up until that year. So just kind of seeing the talent that I might not have seen um, throughout the tournaments that year just based upon what level we were playing in, whether that be Premier Championship or Trillium. It was weird because, you know, you're so used to just going to the U.S. and playing whomever, like you might see a team that you've played a few times, but you don't really know anyone. And then going into Ontario and just kind of seeing all the talent from all over was definitely an interesting experience for me. Kind of scary, but, you know, because I, I didn't know anyone going up there. I was this nobody from Windsor of the, like, hundreds of girls that came from the GTA. So it was interesting, but I enjoyed it. 
And were you aware of the attachment to the national team? Because I think uh, in your era, there was a national team challenge cup and then the youth and junior national teams would be selected from going to that competition. So uh, did you have goals of playing for Team Canada that young? And did you know that like the, the provincial team was the pathway to get on the national team at that point? I didn't know there was a youth national team. That was news to me when I was playing for um, the provincial team at the time. But from a very young age, the coach that I had kind of made us choose goals as we went along each year. And from the day that I was like 12 years old, I had always wanted to play in like the Olympics, like the national team. Like that's always been the bigger goal and like the big picture of things. So like I knew that if I wanted to do that, I needed to get exposure in Ontario. And the best way to do so was hopefully making Team Ontario, which luckily I did. So we're one step closer to the big goal, in my opinion. And and how was it announced in your year? Like the the one year I was lucky enough to to be a part of Team O and, and we're there and we take a fourth and we're a little heartbroken, but then we all crowd around to the stage and like Lane's name gets uh, mentioned and like Hope Larmer and I think Camilla had made the the training group. So it was kind of like a weird vibe that you just battled and you competed with everybody. And then there's like this weird, not very well organized, but kind of cool ceremony at the end. And all of a sudden like these names start getting called. Was it similar for your year as well? Yeah, it was it was weird. So what they had done was our coaches first kind of went around like the day that they were going to be announced because it's the final day of the tournament. And they had asked you if you had like were to be asked to stay longer, would you be able to like would your parents be able to pay for that type thing? And you know, we were all kind of just like, Yeah, like don't know what you're talking about, but yeah, like why not? More volleyball. Absolutely. And then at the very end of the tournament, they had us all like sit down within like our provinces and they started announcing people and like handing us like volleyball Canada bags. And then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, so uh, this is now your youth national team. You guys will be heading to Whistler. Everyone was kind of just like, what? Where did that come from? But I mean, awesome experience for sure. But it, it was definitely an, an interesting way of going about things. But I mean, you got the job done, so. And who, who else from Ontario would have been on that squad? Was that like Medill would have been on the team or who else? Like, did you know people or again, were you kind of like meeting people as you went because it would have been a mixed group again? I, I mean, I knew the girls that made it from like team Ontario, obviously, cause we kind of like at that time we were both kind of like a tight knit group. Cause the way that they had us housed was like, regardless if you were on like team black or team red, you were kind of like intermixed with each other. So like I, I was on team black or was on team red like we lived together so like I kind of knew those girls that were getting picked so it was like Maddie Lethbridge, Savannah Davidson, um, Andrea Mitrovich, Caitlin Lee, it was like those girls and I mean I knew them so it was cool but I at the time had chosen to live with girls from other provinces so I was like I'd rather expand my horizons and kind of like stick with my own people. I think it benefited me but it was cool to at least know like three or four girls going into it and then kind of just expanding from there. And with your year, was that a training opportunity to then go to USA, like high performance tournament? Or did you guys have a competition? Was it just training that year with the youth national team? Yeah, it was just training. It was, it would have been 2015 because I was, I was an underager technically. Uh, So I tried out for the 16s team. So it would have been back in 2015. So yeah, it was like, it was just a training opportunity in Whistler, and then it was like an inner squad 
tournament type things. So, like there was a bit of competition, but it wasn't anything like what um, you guys had where you had the opportunity to go play in Florida, I think. Right, right. So then uh, when that opportunity came up, did you have to go Team O to National Team Challenge Cup to then USA uh, HP? Or did that national team get assembled a little bit quicker? I'm trying to get my timeline because it, it, it does change every once in a while too. Um, The national team was like, they did, so the year after was when I was on the junior national team instead of Team O. So when you went to the youth national after the original Challenge Cup, you trained there for like four or five days and then you went home and that was that, like there was nothing else to that. And then the next year was the, uh, there was tryouts for junior national team. And that was like a weekend worth of tryouts. It wasn't anything like super prolonged. Um, two days, basically get in, get out, double training sessions per day. And then you went home, they announced the team. And from there we had to go to, Winnipeg and we trained in Winnipeg at this like all-girls school for two weeks and then from there we went to the HPE tournament in Florida nice and was it based in Winnipeg that year because Scott Kosky was one of the coaches yes I believe so nice and what can you tell us about Scott I'm a big fan we've had we're lucky enough to get him on the show I just love everything that guy does I was curious how you felt he ran the program and your exposure because obviously he might have been just before your time. Is it like a chance to kind of watch him on TV and be a setter on our national team? I think he, I think he was a great coach. Um, I think the way that he just went about things was obviously very professional, but at the same time, like serious when it needed to be, but also like very lighthearted. Like he wanted us to have fun. He wanted us to learn. He wanted us to get better, but also was very like not strict but very set on how the team was going to be run, which I think is really beneficial because then it kind of creates more of like a tight knit group. Everyone's on the same page. And we did a lot, like even outside of volleyball, like we got the chance to go like explore around Winnipeg. Um, they took us to like downtown Winnipeg area. We got to go to this cute little marketplace. Um, we just did like a bunch of fun things. Even when we were in Florida, we got to hang out, kind of like go to the beach mingle with like the other teams because the hotel we stayed in was like the main hub for that tournament it's like all the international teams were there I remember us living next to like the New Zealand team which was really cool but um I think he was an overall great coach I definitely learned a lot from him and then even into Canada games he was there a lot and always was super friendly super nice about things came over and said hi to us even though we technically were rivals because different provinces right but um he was just an overall great coach. I definitely learned a lot from him. And I think he expanded my game when it needed to be expanded at such a young age. And take me through this high performance tournament. Cause you, as you mentioned, like there's international teams there, like we send a national team, but uh, like team Ontario would also be there. Like, would there be club teams there or do they make kind of like regional all-star teams? Like who else would have been there as far as like us teams? Like do they technically send a national team or was it more regionally driven for them? I think it was kind of both. Like they definitely did have um, like set national teams. When we were there, we did play, we played Cuba, we played Puerto Rico, played the U.S. national team. And like the U.S. national team was like Lexi Sun from Nebraska. Um, One of the old Minnesota setters, like they were big name girls in the U.S. So it wasn't just like a regional based thing. 
um, for them specifically. But then there were also like more regional based U.S. teams that were playing there. Like, there were some California like higher ranked club teams. Other states had higher ranked club teams go play. I think it really just depended on how good you were and if you were willing to go to Florida to play in the middle of July. And is that, uh, was that a big opportunity for post-secondary recruiting for you? Like, do a lot of coaches attend that? Were you able to maybe message some coaches before and say, hey, I'm going to be here on this court? Like, what kind of started off your recruiting process? So that tournament was huge. Um, at that time, I had actually already committed to UConn. So um, obviously, like, that way of volleyball was kind of just, like, out of the books for me. Obviously, I was already committed there. But um, there were a bunch of big name coaches around us at all times. Like they were, I remember at one point, um, Stanford was there, Texas was there, Penn State was there. Um, looking at a few girls from the national, like our national team. So honestly, if anyone wasn't committed, it was it was a huge opportunity for people to get looked at. I know, like the girls that were looking at schools that were more on the either west coast of canada or just canada in general hadn't committed yet because in canada you commit in your senior year but for the u.s you have to commit they don't have to but they kind of push for you to commit by the end of your sophomore year so the end of like grade 10 um which is when i went so i'd already committed but yeah that that tournament was crawling with college coaches it was kind of crazy like i had never seen that many coaches in one place it's kind of cool so with you committing a, a touch earlier, like you said, in Canada, it happens a little bit later than some of these NCAA programs. Did you feel like you had to lead it right off the bat? Like, were you contacting coaches as a Canadian or did they kind of identify you at a tournament? Like, how did your recruiting kind of start and how did you narrow it down that Connecticut was where you wanted to go? So it had kind of started when I was playing in the U.S. Like, I hadn't personally reached out to any coaches. Um, I got a couple looks at one of the Kentucky tournaments we went to, it was, um, there was a JVA tournament that we went to, and then there was the bluegrass tournament in Louisville that we had played basically every year. Um, and coaches come to that just because it's such a large tournament in the U.S. So that's where I had started getting looks from and, like, letters from and whatnot. And then as I went on and got older, I did get put on, like, a watch list at those Kentucky tournaments. So, like, coaches had your names when they would come, and they would kind of just, like, float around to different courts. But when it started to narrow down to UConn, they had actually seen me at a tournament when I was playing for um, the Dynamo Corinthians team up in the GTA. We had gone to a 18U tournament in Chicago. It was literally called Recruit Me. So they were there, um, and they saw me and a couple of my teammates and had shown interest, and then I went on an official visit, or not, sorry, official, unofficial visit, my sophomore year of high school. And then from there, you know, I kind of went on a couple of visits to other places, but overall, I just had decided that UConn had just the best environment for me. It was definitely like a big family-oriented team. There was no animosity. Um, no like typical popular girl these people followed these people like there was no division within the team everyone um had the same ideas had the same mindset goals which i knew i wanted like i wanted to go in there and 
maybe help the team go to postseason, do the best that I could, like get better as a player. And I think that UConn had, would give me the best opportunity to do so. And I think it still has in the four years that I've been here. And were you ever considering like U Sports or CCAA or you just felt like the NCAA was going to be best, uh, not only for the level of volleyball that you wanted to play at, but both academically, like UConn was going to have you study what you wanted to study and, and really leave after your four years in the pathway of where you wanted to take volleyball, but also with your education? Mm-hmm. Um, I I think at a very young age, I had my mindset that I was going to go to the U.S. and play. No knocks on the Canadian schools because there are amazing volleyball programs here and obviously amazing education um, here as well. But I think UConn was going to give me the best opportunity, both athletically and academically. Um, I take my education very seriously because obviously volleyball is only going to take you so far in life. But I wanted to have something that I was going to love to fall back on whenever volleyball does decide to be done for me. So they offered the program that I wanted and were very flexible in how I wanted to do things academically. So that was a big sell for me. Yeah, and I'm glad the national team has shifted a little bit, but we have had some athletes who have gone to the NCAA and, and talked on the show where, you know, sometimes the NCAA doesn't get the best reputation. And there was even an era with Becky Pavin where she was mentioned that, like, if, if you leave Canada, you can't be on the national team. And thankfully, that myth is gone. But um, for you, did you ever feel any pressure that, you know, you're going to be forgotten about or if you go to the NCAA, like you're going to lose touch with all these people? Like, uh, obviously, going through the list of who you played with on the junior national team, like Hillary Howe, Lane, Akira, Andrea, like uh, a bunch of your cycles already on the national team. Like, do you feel like that door was still always open and it was never going to be a problem versus if you went to uh, a youth sports school? Um, I definitely never thought that a door would ever close with anyone that I had played with, um, regardless of me going to the U.S. I think it was it did cross my mind. It was going to be like a worry that I'd, oh, I'd lose touch with these people. Like I'd go to Connecticut. But honestly, I've stayed in touch with a lot of the girls that I used to play with. Like I talked to Lane here now um, because she's overplaying Germany. I talked to Laura Medell still, um, Olivia Saunders, Emily Tehan. Like there's been a few girls that I've played with on the provincial and like national team level. Olivia Furland, like Hillary Howe every once in a while. Like I, over the years, have, like, still been able to stay in contact with them and, you know, just follow them through their journey. And I think even though I went to the U.S., I never really was like, oh, I'm going to lose all these friends that I made. But it definitely gave me a little insight in how much, like, you kind of do have to work to stay in touch with people. But, yeah, I still talk to most of them. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And take me through your first year at UConn, because just as a a casual sports fan, I think everybody would have heard of UConn, whether it's because of the women's volleyball team or even men's and women's basketball there. Like, it just seems like it's a sport that strong academics, but man, do they take sport very seriously. So when you get to campus, like, I'm sure you've already done a visit, but like, what was it like when you finally get like your own stall in the team room, when you're like getting to play a home game in front of fans? Like, what was the environment like when it kind of felt real and you were a true freshman on the team? It was definitely surreal. I walked on campus, you know, didn't have any expectations. I was just going to go in there, again, work my butt off, just do whatever I could do to hopefully one day uh, give myself the opportunity to start or play. Um, But it it was definitely different. Like, UConn is obviously, like, our athletics program is very headstrong in terms of, like, how we do things. 
we like to have like a very pristine program. Like we have a top 25 school in the country um, in terms of academics. So like, obviously they want to follow that, whether that be basketball, uh, women's, men's, baseball, softball, like whatever we do, we want to do it. So like the best of our abilities, but it was cool. It was definitely a big learning experience for me freshman year because I was a big perfectionist in high school, academics, volleyball, whatever. And going in there and kind of just learning from like other players as well as coaches is that being perfect is just realistically not going to get you anywhere. Like you have to be okay with failing, whether that be on like the big stage or in practice, like in order to be better, you have to fail. It only makes you a better person, makes you a stronger person, more confident person. And I think UConn did a really good job of showing that to not only like me as a volleyball player, but like other athletes as well. You're going to have your trials and tribulations, but it's what you do after that that makes it better. And for you, uh, again, just comparing NCAA to Canada sometimes, it was interesting. uh, You didn't redshirt and you got in as a first year. And I'm curious, was that part of the recruiting where you kind of knew where you stood or was there no promises made and you had to earn everything? Like sometimes it's not unusual for a first year to redshirt or to not see a lot of court time. And and you obviously didn't do either one of those. So I'm curious, did coach mention that before you got there or you felt like you just had such a good preseason that they, they had to play you as a freshman? There was definitely no promises made. Obviously they recruited me because they saw something in me. And I think I kind of just used that to the best of my advantage. I knew nothing was going to come easy. And I think I learned that from the provincial team again, or the national team being that little girl from Windsor, Ontario, where very few athletes may come from and reach such a high standard in whatever sport they're doing. I honestly had just gone out there, listened to what the coaches had to say, did as much as I could, gave 110% at all times, and it ended up benefiting me. I got to start in preseason. And I just did my best to continue to perform on a consistent level. And I was lucky enough to have the opportunity to continue to start throughout the season. But yeah, I think it was just learning and growing and just continuing to work hard that allowed me the opportunity to not have to redshirt or um, not start in general. And as you progress through your four years, how do you feel like your game changed, if at all? Because I'm looking at the stats and it's it's pretty ridiculous to see some games where you'll just go off and get like 26 kills, but you'll also have like double digits and digs, some blocks, some aces. Like it seems like you're contributing at a high level in a lot of different categories where once again, comparing like say U sports to the NCAA, it's not unusual in the NCAA for somebody not to play all six rotations and to be like so specialized that they're going to do this role really well. And then we've got another athlete who can sub in and play front row or back row or whatever it is where you're playing all the way around and you're contributing in every category. So I'm curious as a first year to looking back at your senior year, what really changed or did you always feel like you could go play free and be aggressive and just contribute in so many ways? I think at first it was just kind of staying true to myself. Um, I honestly didn't really know what to expect. So in a way I was kind of like naive my freshman year, kind of just went out and did the best that I could. And if I got 26 kills, then cool. If I only got 10 kills, cool. As long as I was um, being beneficial to the team and giving them positive statistics and not dragging anyone down, like not being negative, 
um, I was doing my job and like looking at this year compared to three years ago, four years ago, I think I've just learned a lot in terms of like my core IQ and just how to handle certain situations Or like my freshman year, I might get set and there might be a six, five block on the right side in the middle. And I would just try to power through it. Whereas now I know that that might not work. You can use high hands. You can hit a four, four shot. You can roll shot to the donut. Like I think I've grown in a way where I've been able to put more tools in my toolbox that will benefit me. Not only whether it be hitting, whether it be passing, digging, um, serving, blocking, like whatever aspect it be. I've had trials and tribulations that have allowed me to continue to grow in those aspects. And I think another part of that is just my coaches having the confidence in me to do things has really helped because I wasn't always like the most confident player growing up. Like I'd have those mental lapses just like any other player would. Um, But I think my coaches and my teammates have done such an amazing job of like instilling the confidence in me that they know I can do things which in turn has made me understand that I can do things and there's people that believe in me and know I can do things. So I should know myself that I can get them done. And was that a skill you developed in terms of confidence from having conversations with your coaches? Are you big into like journaling or watching video? Like if you were to say that confidence is a skill, how would you say that you, you practice that? Cause I think again, looking at your stats, it's not unusual for you to get 40 attempts a game. And I think psychologically it feels nice to be, kind of the the star and you know you're going to get a lot of volume and your team trusts you but at the same time if you get that volume and you don't play well well we're probably going to lose right so there is a flip side of the coin to that so uh, again just kind of focusing on how your confidence developed how did you kind of make sure that you were ready and not afraid of failure and you could handle this because you were reaching some stats where like if you're getting over 50 attempts a game there reaches a point where everybody in the gym knows you're getting the ball and you're going to have to find a way to score right you know i think i just used every tool and opportunity that the coaches gave me to build my confidence. And it started with, you know, just staying in the gym, getting extra reps when I didn't have like the best practice or I didn't have the best game per se in passing or hitting or whatever it may be, just like staying in and getting those extra reps and just seeing what the coaches see. So obviously I'm only going to be able to see so much and they're going to see it from an outside standard. So using that to the best of my ability really helped. Um, getting in and watching film. If I didn't have the best game mentally, statistically, whatever it may be, I would always go in and try to make time the next day or sometime that week to sit with the coaches and, you know, get their outlook again and just see what I was maybe doing wrong, what I was doing right. It just wasn't working. Um, and just trying to figure out other options or other things that I could have done in those situations. And then just leaning on my teammates. I think, pouring into your teammates is a super important aspect of the game that a lot of people don't always like notice or really like talk about it's a team sport. So if you're not confident in yourself, your teammates aren't going to be confident in you, but even when you are down, like being able to pour into them and just tell them that you need help helps a lot because they're going to try to do their best to give you that confidence back, whether it be not hitting well, instead of giving you the next ball, just trying to move you around a bit. Maybe you run a faster tempo, maybe you run a higher ball until you can get back into the groove of things. I think just kind of adding all those things together helped me a lot in building my confidence. 
And it's really tempting for me just to focus on the offensive side of the game with some of the stats, but I can't ignore how many digs you're getting. And I think that's really important at the level you're playing at where to me, this can't just be the system. I think the game's too fast. Some of your opponents are too athletic, but when you look back and when you're putting up like some of these double digit games and digs, is that again, just kind of reading off your teammates that if you see a seam, like, you know, it's your responsibility to charge it or, you know, to get outside the block in certain situations. Like, are you just really good at picking up cues or what would you credit that you seem to always be like in the right spot that you're throwing up double digit uh, dig games a lot? I honestly think it's just our system. Like we, obviously we have a system for when things are in system and we have a defensive system when um, someone other than the setter is taking the ball. And I think my team does a really good job of sticking to what we're supposed to be doing. And it makes life so much easier in the back row. Our blockers are huge and they're very good at setting up a very solid block for us. And if it's one-on-one, like we know, and we know how to set up around that. And I think just because of the way that they do things, I'm able to read things better, which put me in a better spot to dig the ball or make a move if I need to run down a ball whatever it may be. And then I think it's also like the trust component. Like I know that my two wing defenders are going to charge certain balls and I know that I can trust them to do so. And then they know that they can trust me to get balls over their heads or a little bit further behind them or something that maybe they're just not in the right spot or I'm not in the right spot. Um, I think it's just like a bunch of factors, whether it be our system, trust components, and then just my teammates picking up the responsibilities and making my life easier. And I either just happen to be there or I read it well and get the big up. Now, is this something that maybe uh, just the depth of your team deserves a lot of credit? Because as you're explaining it, I'm not in my head and it makes perfect sense. But in practice, for you to be playing against the blockers that you're going to be on the court with, if it's just ones versus twos in a drill situation, that means your twos have to be putting up a challenging situation where you're going to get these live reads and they're just not there to kind of bop balls in right so is that just kind of a credit to the team of how deep you guys are but also the athletes who know hey even though i'm not starting this weekend i'm still going to crush it at practice so kaylee can get her reps or i can work on this like does it just seem like the whole team is pretty open to working on stuff because like i said if you're two and the season's pretty long maybe you don't get fired up for practice but you guys can't work on defensive systems if you're not doing it because it's hard to be across the net from your ones because then the situation changes and you're not behind the same blockers and everything kind of flips right so just just tell me about your practice environment and what everybody kind of brings to it i think our practice environment is very competitive like everybody comes into practice and knows whatever we're doing we need to be competing at the highest level if we want to achieve the goals that we have in the season whether it be returning back to the big east tournament um ncaa tournament nibc tournament like whatever we want to do we know that in order to get there we have to stay true to ourselves as well as be competitive and push each other because no one's going to get better if we're just going through the motions and just like not being competitive and aggressive with things. And I think my coaches do a really good job of it. Never really being like ones and twos, like everyone's always in their mix. So everyone's always going to get an opportunity to be on like the side that is like focusing solely on the drill. So we have an extreme depth in our team. It doesn't matter who you are. There's girls that can play multiple positions. Um, there are girls that are always ready to go regardless of the situation. And I really appreciate my teammates for doing that because, you know, everyone always has the same mindset and we have the same goals overall. And I think another big part of the fact that 
like everyone's always pushing ourselves is that we're lucky enough to have our men's club team come and a few of them are our practice players. So like we don't have a varsity volleyball team at UConn for men's, um, but there is a club team and we have a couple of them come in and play against us or with us so that we're seeing with like a more challenging block, a bigger block, heavier hitters. So it kind of prepares us for anything. And like, there's no reason for us to be surprised when we come up against girls who are per se six, six and can touch 11 feet. Like we're always ready for everything. And I think I give full credit to my team, and my coaches for that, because they really put us in like the best situations to be prepared for everything. Yeah, that's awesome. And so cool to hear. Thanks for sharing that. And then to, to focus on this year, you guys are having a heck of a season, very competitive in every match, but you, you dropped the semifinal to Marquette in the Big East Championship. What was the mood in the team room like going into that game? Like, was there just a sense that with, with the way things were going with COVID and the size of the tournament and the way the draw was going to work that you needed to be in the finals of the Big East to probably make the NCAA tournament? Yeah, we we knew that in order for us to get to the NCAA tournament, we needed to win. There was a very slim chance that if we did lose that game, we'd be able to get into the NCAA tournament. It just kind of depended upon um, whether Creighton won or not, or whether um, DePaul ended up winning, because then it would offset some things. Um, but I think in the team room leading up to the game, everyone was very focused. Everybody knew that, again, in order for us to get to our biggest goal, um, we had to be dialed in and ready to go. And I think although we did lose, we did do a lot of good things within that. And I think we are building a championship program and we're just at the brink of what we could be doing. And I think going into this next season, because fun fact, I am going back for a fifth year. Um, I did get an extra year of eligibility because of COVID. So I chose to go back. I think we're on a brink of being the best that we can be. And I'm extremely excited to see what we can do next year because we have six amazing freshmen coming in um, that are really going to add to this program. So we're, we're looking to go back to the Big East tournament next year. And the goal is to win it, regardless of who is there. We are up for the battle. Yeah, that's so cool. Congratulations, brother. I, I, w- I was going to ask you what your plans are, but that's so cool to hear that you're coming back. So just so our, our listeners fully understand, you guys still had a postseason. You got to uh, compete at the National Invitational Volleyball Championship. So what was that feeling like where, yes, you're not going to go get to play for a, a national championship at the NCAA tournament, but you still had a postseason opportunity? Like, was it easy to kind of bounce back and, and get fired up that you're going to have a postseason opportunity? Because there's so many good teams in the NCAA that to have one tournament and that be all, I don't, I don't think would make sense for the amount of good programs there are across the country. So when you get your bid to the NIBC, what was that feeling like in the team room? I think, so we really, I'm not going to lie to you. We were sad that we lost for about a good 30 minutes. I think the second that we left the gym, we all kind of knew that there was a possibility that we would be invited to NIBC tournament. Um, we weren't told right away because our coaches needed to figure out like logistics and whatnot first. Um, but the second we did find out, um, it was very much a focused practice week. We knew that we were upset with how the season ended in terms of the East and we wanted redemption. We wanted to go out to this tournament and make it as far as we could. If we could win it, we should. 
Um, we wanted the ring. That was our end goal. And, you know, we did the best we could. We got to the final four of that tournament. Unfortunately, lost in three sets to um, Valparaiso. It was a very strong team. Um, but, you know, I think we bounced back in a really positive way. You know, it was, it was really heartbreaking to lose that semifinals in the Big East tournament. Um, but I think everyone's mindset changed very quickly when we understood that we could have um, the opportunity to win another national championship, even though it might not be the NCAA national championship. It was the next best thing. And I think for us, it was a really big moment because it kind of showed us what that postseason could be like because we really hadn't made it further than the Big East tournament. Um, we haven't done that in like 30 something years. I don't think we've ever been to that IBC tournament. So that, again, was huge for our program. But my teammates responded very well. And I think the coaches did as well. And it honestly benefited us in the end. Yeah, one thing I, I love about uh, university sport is just the way the playoffs shake out. And I think for, uh, like the, the organizers try their best to get a neutral site, but sometimes it doesn't work that way. And you see that like one fan base is super heavy. And the match I want to talk about is you play Boston College, and I'm pretty sure that was in their exact home gym, right? They just happened to be yeah. the, the regional host. So yeah. what was it like playing a postseason match only against Boston College, like a really good school, but in their gym and you guys go down the first set because they're obviously probably flying high and super comfortable. So what was that match like playing at BC in front of their friends and family? And it was pro- that place was probably rocking, right? So funny thing is, it was actually louder for us than it was for them. We had, um, we were lucky enough that a lot of the parents were able to come. Um, but also some of our men's team ended up coming and them and themselves are extremely loud individuals. So that helps. But it was, it was definitely nerve wracking. I'm not going to lie to you because again, the whole tournament is very much do or die. You either win and you proceed or you lose and you're done. So going down the first set, everyone was kind of just like, all right, like we need to get it together now. We didn't really have time to scout them because we legitimately played the day after we played our first round. So it was a very quick turnaround. Um, so there wasn't a lot of film that we were able to watch. But from what we did watch, I think it was very beneficial for us. We knew our game plan. We got the first game, first set jitters out. And then from there on, I think we just pushed as hard as we could went into the fifth set and we won the game. And I honestly was extremely proud of my team for the way that we battled because we had been preparing for five sets our entire year, regardless of what we were doing. That's what we did in our gym almost every day. So we did what we could and we used their cheering Boston college's loudness to our advantage and got the dub. Yeah, when you say like you're trying to connect to that that fifth set mentality, is that just something you talk about like after a really bad conditioning stand or like a really long practice? Like, was that just something that the team was going to be ready for? Like, is it kind of like a, a motto within the team? Or when you say like you were preparing for fifth sets, what did that look like in the practice environment? So um, it kind of started within the preseason. Uh, our preseason consists of two weeks of um, two a day practices. So obviously that's leading into your season. You've been off for about three, four months. So it's kind of like more cardio based practices, just kind of like breaking things down, getting back into the hang of things, um, working on systems, depending if they change or not, getting the freshmen acclimated to team, the program. And one of our first tournaments, we ended up going to five sets with two out of the three teams that we played. And we only won one of them. 
So our mindset from that point was that if we get pushed to five sets, like we need to be ready, we need to be focused. We need to know how to approach things. And I think from there on, we had a really good balance of like tough practices, tough practices, a um, little bit of a lighter practice in terms of we're more focused on like the angles of approaches or we're focusing on the mechanics of passing, blocking, whatever that be. And then we would go into more of like a game style practice um, in which we would focus on us. Then we would also focus on the opponent that we were playing. And I think by having that week after week, it really prepared us to play five sets if we did get pushed to that point. Um, it taught us how to fight back when times were tough. Like we had days where practices were extremely tiring just based off of like high intensity, go, go, go. But those moments were the things that got us past those five sets and like allowed us to win in those five sets because we knew how to like punch back when someone hit us first. Yeah, that's so cool to hear. So you've announced on the show. That's awesome. I love breaking news that you'll be back next year. But um, I'm curious for the rest of this year, just the way things are going with COVID. Do you guys get a spring season? Are you still allowed to train? Like what's going into because you guys will obviously compete your fall season sport. But for the rest of this year, with you being a returning senior, will there be any competition opportunities in the spring? Or is it mostly just training and taking care of your academics and all that? Um, it's mostly just training. So when we first get back, um, we're only allotted eight hours a week of training, whether that be, and that's including like lift and that kind of stuff. So we do that. And then by March ish, I want to say like mid March, we start getting into 20 hour weeks. So we get into like full team practices, um, in which we go back to practicing like two and a half, three hours. And then we haven't had the opportunity to do so yet. Well, we did my freshman year. We got to play um, Yale in the spring, just more of like a friendly match. Like it wasn't actually like counted toward anything. Um, but before COVID happened, we were supposed to play in a couple like spring tournaments. So I'm going to be assuming that we were going to do something of the sorts this spring, as long as um, COVID isn't canceling any of that for us, which as of right now, um, it looks like we're going to be able to, play against people like we will definitely be training like we have protocols if COVID does end up getting um as bad as it was before that would still allow us to play and practice in the gym um just under different rules and regulations but I hope we are able to play in the spring I think it'd be really beneficial just with who we have and continuing to build on from this past season and with you and the academic things you're pursuing, and I actually left it out in your bio, you've been on the honor roll a bunch. Uh, do you get an opportunity to pursue a master's? Like, because you're a varsity athlete, did you plan on doing your degree in five years anyways? Like, what's what's your big plan for you get another year of school? Like, do you get an opportunity to kind of pursue something different or do you get to add on to it? Um, I'm just going to add on to it. So what I'm doing, originally, I was an allied health science major with a minor in psychology. So it's kind of similar to like HK, but it's more on um, like a pre-med route. It's like, I want to be an athletic trainer and just like solely work with athletes, whether that be at the collegiate, high school, pro level, whatever that be um, when the time comes. But now I'm adding another minor to my degree and I'm taking human development and family studies to kind of add on to like my psych minor. So if per se, I didn't want to lead to like the sports side of medicine. I could get into something in like the psychology route or like um, 
like a family therapist along those lines. But, you know, I'm just kind of adding to my degree in hopes of giving myself as many opportunities whenever volleyball is over. Nice. Good to hear. And with you being a post-secondary athlete, obviously it's too soon to speak to an agent, but would that be something you would pursue as well? Is it an opportunity to go play overseas? Or uh, oh, I think absolutely. Coach Coach Shannon's doing an awesome job with our women's indoor team. Hopefully we'll see you there. But uh, like, what are your plans maybe right away once uh, next season ends? The hopes is to sign with an agent and then hopefully go play pro somewhere, Europe, wherever life takes me. But definitely playing at um, the post-secondary level would be huge for me. I think not only, like, obviously playing for the national team as well is uh, a big goal of mine. But I think by being able to go play in Europe or wherever, if I do end up signing a contract, I think it would just make my game grow so much bigger than it already is and just give me so much more um, learning experiences and, like, a higher IQ in the game that, I would love to experience. So hopefully as time goes on, I'm able to do those things. Well, this has been awesome. Like with you being from Ontario, I thought I knew a little bit of your career. Obviously it was easy to follow with all the stuff you've accomplished, but it was so cool to hear you add some detail and share some stuff that I had no idea. So thank you for sharing so much. But one thing we've built into a tradition on the show is even though you've played at the highest level, the volleyball community is pretty uh, unique and funny sometimes. So I imagine something's happened along the way that uh, hopefully you can just tell us a quick story to give us a laugh before we let you go. Of course. So um, the facility that I play in is called Gamble. And there has been a couple occasions where like the lights turn off and like we do all of our big announcements and they introduce all the players. We throw volleyballs in the sands, all of that. And we've ended up having like 45 minute delays because our lights won't turn back on. So like everyone gets like their flashlights out. Um, we ended up actually having a dance battle with Cincinnati one year that ended up going viral on NCAA accounts. It was actually hilarious. Um, great experience, but yeah, they couldn't figure out how to turn lights off or on, sorry. And we just sat there for a good 45 minutes, just kind of not knowing what to do. <laughs> I'm sure as an athlete, you can find a way to pass the time, but I'm just thinking of your coach and the visiting team's coach freaking out, being like, we have these plans, like everything's going according to plan, like we're oh, here, yeah. we're here. And then they're, you're telling me you don't know when the lights are going to come back on. <laughs> like, it's, it's a lot of phone calls, a lot of phone calls. <laughs> well, Kaylee, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for, for joining us and sharing all that you did. Uh, I'm, like I said, I thought I was aware of your career, but it's just so cool to hear about more and the behind the scenes. So, Thank you so much for you shared and best of luck with everything else you've got going on. Best of luck in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you again for having me. I really appreciate it.